Hello and welcome to episode six of the Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. I am your host, Mitch Foster, and I'm joined by my co-host... Ando Anderson, that is me. Well, welcome back, Ando, for another week of rugby chats and all things rugby. How's your week been so far? My week has been pretty good since we last caught up. Um, I'm a teacher, so we're learning to do this whole remote teaching thing. And it is not why I became a teacher. So it's a bit of a challenge. I definitely don't like sitting behind a desk all day. Um, I like the kind of human element and interaction of teaching, but hey, we all have to adjust. And uh, yeah, we're all just learning how to do it like everybody is in most industries. How about you? How's your week been? Yeah, my week been, has been interesting on the lookout for jobs. So mm. lots of lots of interesting times at the moment with this whole COVID-19. So mm. definitely things are changing around, but it's um it's been a productive week. So that's good. Wonderful. Wonderful, mate. Now let's uh, let's get into the chat. So before we start, we just wanted to remind people um, of who we are and what we do. So we're two diehard rugby fans having a weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby. Real, family-friendly, and positive. Get involved. Get involved. So basically, we have our social media platforms we want to encourage everybody to be jumping into. So Instagram, we're on Insta at hashtag pick underscore drive underscore rugby. Facebook is simply pick and drive rugby podcast. And then Twitter is at pick underscore drive rugby. So I'm really keen to be jumping into these. Um, Mitch has been running these for the last few weeks. But then once Easter is up and over, I'll be back into it and keen to get involved and to be engaging with everybody on all those platforms. So keen to hear your feedback and input from everybody yeah awesome so we've got lots of stuff on there so feel free to give us a follow or a tweet or a like or however all of those things work <laughs> <laughs> now before we start this week we do need to make an apology to everyone we did make an apology last week but we're doing it again this is a this good week. apology this is a very good apology it is we don't have any music this week though so. <laughs> okay so it doesn't have the drama does it no it doesn't but last week we said we would, this week we'd be talking about um, the Rugby World Cup 2019, having a bit of a dive into the review of the tournament. Um, unfortunately, we have something else to talk about this week instead. So we've had to push the Rugby World Cup chat back to next week. So we are still going to do it. Um, we're just going to have to wait another week till we get to it. Well, why don't I jump in now and say the reason why, because it kind of fits within it. Um, we, last week when we were doing the pod, we had the potential for an interview with Harry Johnson-Holmes lined up, uh, but it just wasn't confirmed, so we didn't want to say so. But now the interview has happened, and you are going to be listening to it tonight or today, wherever you are. So... I'm really, really excited for it. One of the things that Mitch and I just wanted to touch base with you as our amazing, wonderful audience of Third Chair was, please be gentle. We are two guys who just love rugby and we're learning to do this podcast thing together and we are not trained journalists by any stretch of the imagination. And we both found it pretty funny uh, the previous week when we put out our Wallabies teams, how much people had very strong opinions about some of the choices in there. <laughs> I don't think people understood my love affair with Ryan Lonigan at all. Um, but the reality is we just we just want to have a chat and have a laugh and talk about rugby in a way that's really accessible and enjoyable for everybody. So with this chat with Harry Johnson-Holmes, it's our first interview with a professional rugby player ever. And it was really fun, wasn't it, Mitch? Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, it was so cool. So um, 
there are times where we're just figuring out the right things to say and there are times where I think we do a really good job and just be gentle with us because it's our <laughs> first time and we're really looking forward to honing those skills in more interviews with more rugby players down a track. So basically that's what the focus of this pod is, is an interview with Harry Johnson Holmes. Yeah. So there's some really cool stuff that we got to discuss in that. So I think you're all going to enjoy it. So let's, um, let's move on now to our spicy news update. And then we can get into the good chat with HJH. Well, now we move to our spicy news update for the week. We've got lots of interesting rugby news to talk about this week. So uh, you've have you had a chance to get across all of these different articles out this week, Ando? Yeah, there was a whole bunch coming out. And so I don't think I've caught everything, but I think I'm pretty up to date with kind of the main talking points from the last week. Cool. So the first one we're going to talk about this week is just uh, an update on the conversation between Rugby Australia and Rupa, the Player Association. Um, they both met yesterday afternoon, which was Sunday. It's currently Monday now, so it was Sunday in Sydney. Um, from all accounts, it sounds like the, the conversation was positive and robust, the words that they're using, um, mm-hmm. and it they haven't reached a decision as to what what the outcome is going to be at this stage, but it's going to be an ongoing conversation. But now that that door is open and Rupa has had the opportunity to see some of the um, financial details that Rugby Australia have provided to them, it's sort of opened up that conversation a little bit more. So good things happening. Yeah, it seemed like that was a pretty big sticking point prior to this conversation. I mean, we... Uh, we interviewed Harry Johnson Holmes on Wednesday, which is when a lot of this was going down. And a lot of this has been developing. Suppose There's been animosity between Rupert and Rugby Australia, supposedly, because Rugby Australia had not been providing them with kind of up-to-date communications about where things were at. Yeah. And on Wednesday, that comes uh, Rugby Australia cut 75% of their staff. Um, Railing Castle took a 50% pay cut of $400,000. And the rest of the executive team took 30% pay reduction. So like, there was a whole bunch going on next last week. And it seems now that both parties are at the table, the conversation is moving forward and there's a lot more, um, it's a lot more amicable than things were one week ago. Yeah. Now it was interesting that during the week, there was some reports coming out, potentially some of the plays were not happy with how conversations had gone so far. Mm. Um, there was one I saw that was Dane Hale at Petty had said that he felt like he was left in the dark completely. He had no idea yep. where they were going as a game or what was happening with their, their payments or um, the, what the future for Australian Super Rugby held. So all I guess we can say now is that this outcome looks positive. Um, mm. Hopefully this will help shine some light on the situation of the players and what Rugby Australia plans to do going forward. So good things to come. What are you predicting Honestly, I have no idea. Um, I don't even know if the players have been stood down indefinitely without payments. I don't know if some of them are still getting some form of payment. I don't really know what the situation is for each team. From you- my understanding, from my understanding, because we haven't heard anything yet, it would be kind of leave with pay. So they they would be on full pay, but they'd just be isolated in their homes and having to do kind of individual training programs. Yeah. Um, in a lot of the other professional competitions around the world, teams are having to take 20, 25, 30% pay cuts with the possibility that if the closure of the competition extends, that may well need to increase to say 50% down the line. So 
knowing the precarious financial situation of Australian rugby, it wouldn't surprise me if we're seeing a similar figure of 25 to 30% bandied mm-hmm. around to start with, with the potential for that to go even further. Because yeah. realistically, 50% of something is better than 0% if the entire competition goes insolvent. That's right. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, watch your space. That's my prediction that the initial would be about 25 to 30 because that would kind of take things in line with other competitions around the world. I wouldn't be surprised if it's actually higher, although Rupa would – well, it, it depends what stance Rupa takes – they there might be a part of them that's pushing for the best financial deal for their players but that that stance also has to take into effect the viability of the competition that's right so if the competition's going under it doesn't matter if they're getting paid um 80 of their regular wages or 60 percent. so that would be a 20 and then a 40 cut if the entire competition goes under so maybe it's better to go down to a 40 percent over like cut of your pay so down to 60 percent if the competition stays afloat and can be resurrected in time for next year it's interesting times there was an Mm. article as well this week that said that queensland rugby union have stood with their players uh, and their staff and that they have not stood down anyone at this stage i didn't see the specifics around it whether they were paying a reduced amount of wages or what was happening in that yep. regard. But it is interesting to see that Queensland's doing something different to Melbourne and, and yep. New South Wales, and it just seems like there's not really a united front here. No, but, I mean, I think that that's kind of indicative of the nature of Australian rugby, where you wouldn't really, like, realistically, do we expect Queensland and New South Wales rugby to do the same thing at the same time? No. no. Yep. Um, even I, coming new to the game, recognise that. Uh, so... It, yeah, that doesn't really surprise me at all. It's a good thing, as long as they can actually stay viable as an organisation. That's but right, yeah. I'm not sure if that's the case for Rugby Australia or New South Wales Rugby. Um, let alone Victorian Rugby, which had, which so the Rebels, basically, which would have a much um, more precarious position because they're nowhere near as heavily entrenched as New South Wales and Queensland Rugby. Yeah. Anyway, moving on to other sources and other bits of news. Uh, the next one we've got is a report by Fox Sports that has come out. And interestingly enough, this one says that... Well, actually, let's not go into this one first. Um, Should we talk about the thing in general, the general conversation yeah, we're going to move yeah, to? Yeah, we're trying to like skirt around it, but let's, let's just get, get into to it. it. You, you start. You start. I'll follow. Okay, so Fox Sports has come out early this week, and they have released some articles saying that Rugby Australia has lost confidence in Raylene Castle and that imminently in the next day or two, she's going to be stood down um, and they're pushing for Phil Kearns to take over. Now, this initially came out um, Friday last week and Mm -hmm. over the weekend it's sort of ramped up and today it's gone even further where there's support from Nick Farr-Jones. So former Wallabies captain has come out in support of Phil Kearns and publicly said that he believes Phil Kearns is the best person to take over Rugby Australia. Um, And that Rugby Australia looks to be days away from entering voluntary administration. Mm. Now, I want to take a step back here before we go in, because you look through the Fox Sports uh, news page for rugby, and um, I have it up in front of me now, and I'm looking at all of the articles there, and we have one, two, three, four, 
five of the first eight articles on the page are basically attacks upon Rugby Australia. That's fascinating in and of itself. Uh, then we look at some of the contextual issues within the game of rugby at the moment. And we know that prior to the entire kind of COVID pandemic becoming as uh, much of a, in having such an impact on society as it has in the last fortnight, really, Rugby Australia were in very, very serious negotiations, contract negotiations about the new TV rights package, where they were essentially, they had rejected Fox's initial offer and had taken it to tender in kind of open market, open bidding process. And it may well have been that Fox Sports were going to be losing that um, deal with Rugby Australia. But then who is the main person that is driving that bargaining agreement and that decision to take it to the open market? It's Raylene Castle. And then who is a news organization that is slandering Raylene Castle, advocating for change and is posting almost, almost all of the articles that are negative about Rugby Australia? It's Fox Sports or News Corp owned companies, uh, newspapers. So there's my conspiracy theory. Except it's not really a conspiracy theory. It's pretty legitimate and based upon uh, just an understanding of the context that's at play at the moment. What do you think? Am I am I totally off the ball? Am I reading things wrong here? No, I don't think so. I'm I'm of a similar opinion. It does seem quite suspicious that as Rugby Australia has entered into, well, as the talks have sort of fallen away for the negotiation of the uh, TV rights. Fox Sports have started attacking Railing Castle individually and, and then coming out with things saying that Rugby Australia is days away from entering a voluntary administration and new people need to be made, uh, people need to leave their roles and new people need to come in. Like, it, it doesn't seem... And the way the articles have been written as well makes it... It doesn't really back it up with any evidence. It's just we have sources saying this. Mm. Who are the sources? Where have they come from? So it, it does it does sort of, it sounds fishy. And that's the big problem. I think um, I think we need, we need to be really critical about where these sources are coming from and where these articles are coming from because there's a part of me that wants to respect the journalists that are working at Fox Sports and say that they may well have sources that are providing misinformation and there may be some truth in what they're saying. But the sheer number of articles and the sheer um, emotive choice of language that is used in many of those articles to denigrate Rugby Australia and to denigrate Raylene Castle is just, it goes beyond the point of kind of unobtrusive reporting to, in, yeah. my, opi in my opinion, it's not that um, subtle what they're trying to do. And so the, the big problem here is that Fox Sports has, has such a large profile, media profile, and News Corp has such a strong share in the general news market that almost all the coverage that's getting put out about rugby union at the moment is negative. And realistically, like, what else is there to talk about? There's no rugby happening. Whilst Australian teams were actually going okay uh, this season, we weren't great. Um, the Tars sucked. The Rebels had some good games. The Reds showed a lot of promise and had maybe two good games. And then the Brumbies were fantastic. Were doing really, really well. Yeah. Um, so in some ways, the rugby was going okay. But since since the whole shutdown has happened, what has there been to talk about? 
and these journalists and this company still needs to be getting clicks. How are they going to get clicks? By death riding rugby into the ground. I agree. That's yeah. my theory. That's my theory. And, well, I guess it's my opinion. Um, and it may well be that somebody with a lot more insight into the nuts and bolts of kind of rugby Australia border and politics may have more insightful commentary on the power plays that are going on there. I can only speak about it from a kind of lay person on the ground, um, just looking at some of the bigger picture problems that are in place about how this is all being reported on. Mm. No, I, I don't. I don't think that Fox Sports are making up that Rugby Australia is potentially on the verge of collapsing. We were talking mm. last week that they had released that they were, um, I don't remember what the figure is now, but so they were... about 9.3 or 9. 9.4 million dollar deficit in 2019. Yeah, in 2019. So it does, it does align that this could potentially be the situation that Rugby Australia finds itself in. Yep. What does seem interesting to me is that the person they're putting forward to be the the savior and the new boss is such a Fox Sports man. Like Phil oh, Kurtz oh, has this. been on the payroll of Fox Sports for yep. so many years. Yeah. And, I mean, people had a go at us, Mitch, with our Wallabies teams, how supposedly we just only picked New South Wales players. Um, there is all no... Right. All three of them. <laughs> there is no person who is, like... Kearns is the most dyed-in-the-world New South Wales rugby person around, from what I understand. And Yeah, oh, he is. Like, he... I don't see him being a unifying figure within Australian rugby because he's so very much a New South Wales... He's Randwick rugby, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, he's very much part of that establishment. And if you're trying to unify disparate groups across all of Australia, including kind of Western Australian rugby, I'm not sure if he's your person. So, yeah, to me, he's just a choice of Fox Sports agitators who are advocating for change because they see an opportunity that suits their interests. Now, interesting and. In, interestingly enough, we move to the next article that was released by Fox Sports today. Um, and this is sort of, it's going against what they've been saying the last few days. Now, they've released a report today saying that cl sources close to Dave Rennie, the new Wallabies coach, are saying that he would reconsider his future with Australian rugby were Raylene Castle to be let go. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So he's saying if Rugby Australia does go ahead and and get rid of Railing Castle, he's no longer our man. Which I think would be a big blow because which other... I mean, he hasn't coached internationally before. We obviously need to remember that. But he's a pretty successful provincial coach and with the position of Australian rugby he's in at the moment, it's probably the best that we're going to get for the cash-strapped nature of our uh, setup. I don't know if we can do any better than... Um, if we can do any better than Dave Rennie. So, well, even if we take the loss. whole financial situation off the table, I think Dave Rennie was a fantastic signing regardless of that. Um, yeah. He was one of the top runners for the All Blacks job as yeah, well. Like the All, Blacks, yeah. they, the All Blacks left their run too late, but they really did want Rennie as well. Mm. So mm. the fact that we signed him is is awesome. If, we, if Rugby Australia does go ahead... And do what this or what Fox Sports is saying, and do let um, Raylene Castle go. 
First of all, they will be completely out of touch with the rugby public because there has been a, a lot of support come out this week, which was good to see for Castle and saying this is not the time for letting people go and, and changing up the regime. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, if, if they do go ahead and do this and we lose Dave Rennie as a coach, where does that leave the game? Like, completely, we would be bankrupt. We would have no formal leadership. We would have no coach. Who knows if the senior coaching team would even stay on, like Scott Wisemantle, um Oh, who else are they getting? Matt Taylor? Yeah. Uh, who knows if they would even stay on if Rennie wasn't there because they are very close to Rennie and they signed on because of him being the head coach. Yeah. So if he walks, it may well be that the entire coaching staff of the Wallabies walks as well. And considering that the Wallabies are the main commercial driver or revenue raiser within Australian rugby, that's that's devastating. So I think well, there's I think there's ramifications beyond just cutting Castle out for Australian rugby. Well, let's hope that it doesn't happen. Mm. Let's hope that Rugby Australia sticks with Castle and we don't see this new new form, new Phil Kearns come in and take over the reins. Let's hope that things go go smoothly and continue as as is currently happening. I would really value it if if it all goes down and Phil Kearns becomes ahead. I would really just be asking a question. Cool. Mr. Kearns, how much are you getting paid per year? Are you under $400,000 per year? Are you willing to be taking that cut? Because did you hear some of the reports of people criticising Castle for still being on $400,000 when that's not what rugby players are getting paid and she should be taking even greater cuts for Australian rugby? And I'm like, she just halved her pay from eight hundred to 400000 and she's ahead of a major sporting organisation in Australia. Like, how how can you you have an axe to grind if you're criticizing her still when yeah. that is what you're choosing to criticize her with? Yeah. Um. Anyway, anyway, I like Rowling Castle, so I'm. <laughs> I think my colors are shining through right there. <laughs> do you want to lead us into the the next story that we've got? Yeah, yeah. Let's um. Do we want to touch on the Izzy Falau stuff, or should we just move on to the other couple of news items? I think it's interesting. It's an interesting in- yeah, insight. Okay. Let's let's briefly mention it. Okay, I'll just quickly run into it, and then you can jump into the next article after that. Yeah. Um, so Izzy Folau versus Rugby Australia. We all know that there was some unknown amount uh, that was paid out to him as a result of the legal issues that were going on last year with his social media posts. Um, according to a report in The Australian, it may well be if a Rugby Australia goes insolvent, he basically is set to lose the majority of the money that he has as payout from Rugby Australia. So... I mean, there's not much to say beyond that, nope. except for just noting that um, if we do go in, or if we, if Rugby Australia do go insolvent, uh, then it's a very bad situation for Izzy. But let's move on. And then the last bit of news we have for this week, which is a glimmer of hope for one Aussie abroad. <laughs> um, Eddie Jones has been re-signed by England through to the end of the 2023 World Cup. Good so, yep. good. Well done, Eddie. Keep it up. Hopefully you can win yourself a Rugby World Cup final. Yeah, just not against Australia, please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other other quick piece of news is USA Rugby is far for Oh, yes, I forgot that one. Um, yeah, it's pretty significant. So they are the first global, well, the first union 
in global rugby to file for bankruptcy. They already had some pretty significant financial issues, much like Australian rugby. Um, they overspent in the lead up to the World Cup for the 15s program. Um, the good news is that World Rugby has guaranteed the continuation of funding for the sevens programs for men and women, because that's really the strength of uh, American rugby. Yeah. So yeah, that's sad, but hopefully World Rugby can step in and prop them up. So when America emerges out the other side of the kind of economic recession at the end at the moment, then yeah, they'll be stronger. Well, they'll be able to emerge from that in a good position. Now, on that note, um, before we just finish up with the news segment, there has been some also news this week that were Rugby Australia to enter into dire financial situation, there has been support offered by um, England Rugby Union and French Rugby Union. Mm. So the European nations have realised that they need to keep the Southern Hemisphere rugby alive. Thank you. Um, and that were... Coach all of our players and then give us pity money. Yeah, where do all their players come from then? If they um, if we if the game dies here, so does the game there. No. Um so it it's interesting to see that there is that it's good to see that there is that support coming from the European nations. Um and World Rugby has also come out and said that they are in the process of reviewing their um I guess process of helping the nations that are struggling at the moment. So there is hope. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, that's, um, that's the news for this week. So let's dive into the exciting and interesting um, interview we have lined up with Harry Johnson-Holmes. And now we move to the main kind of item for this evening, which is the interview with Waratahs and Wallaby front rower Harry Johnson-Holmes. Oh, yeah. He was kind enough. He was pretty awesome. He was kind enough to give us his time. It was only meant to go for about 15 to 20 minutes, but we all got chatting, and about 35, 40 minutes later, we had this interview. So we were able to ask him all things kind of life as a isolated rugby player, um, career highlights, feelings about the Waratahs and the season they've had so far, aspirations for players for the Wallabies with a new coaching setup. And then we had the awesome chance to talk to him about the kind of some of the dark arts or for us really unpacking what it was like, what it is like to be a front row forward on either side of the uh, front row. And then very lastly, Mitch needed to ask him about some of his band experiences. Mitch, what did you ask him? Uh, who in the Waratahs has a great singing voice alongside Harry? So let's get him on the line. So um, thanks for joining us, Harry. It's great to have you with us today. First question we've got for you is, life as a rugby player at the moment is quite different to what it normally is, being in um, self-isolation. So how's your week been so far in regards to those kind of things? Yeah, it has been different. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, look, uh, I think I think it's much the same as everyone else. Uh, in the world, it's just it's just those small adjustments to to daily life. And if um, you're unfortunate enough to um, you know to not be able to to work and uh, and fill your day with, with what your profession is, then it's uh, you know it is pretty hard to adjust. Um, but it mm-hmm. is what, what everyone, you know, a lot of people are going through. Um, look for me, uh, and I suppose a lot of the boys. Um, it is just filling in our time you know a lot of our time at training is, is spent um on on the the mental side of the game and and mm. you know strategically analyzing different bits of bits and pieces of you know we, we always make sure that every day that we're in we, we're watching footage um yeah yep. you know, and that's that's just part of 
the gig, I guess. Um, and we, you know, we can still go out and do our runs individually and, and, uh, you know, try and find heavy things to lift up. How much is but, the mental yeah. side of things different now? If I can just jump in, how much is that mental side or an analytical side different when you haven't played rugby for like two weeks and there's kind of not any rugby in the near future? How does that look different for you now? Yeah, look, it's, um, I mean, when we, when we're preparing throughout the week, there's, there's always going to be two sides to the analysis and the mental side of stuff you're doing. It's obviously, uh, the review and then the preview. Um, we've had neither in, in kind of yeah. the, the mm. short to medium term, term since. Um, so it turns into this bizarre thing where, I mean, much the same with our training, you know, there's not, there's not a footy involved and, um, you know, a lot of it is just, uh, monotonous kind of just, Running up and down and, and just trying to stay fit. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you, 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 when you take away that, um, that interactive side of the game, it all becomes a bit bizarre. You know, our, our analysis stuff now is all kind of, um, it's all hearsay stuff. You know, it's all just making sure our mind is still thinking rugby. It's still identifying instinctive opportunities to, you know, um, you know, what will we do in this situation? you know what do we expect here that kind of thing and it does does make it hard because you know you're not necessarily um planning for anything and you're not you know it's yeah it's just it's just kind of like watching watching the footy with some mates and just talking very specifically about what's going on which would be pretty weird if i was watching the footy with my mates and started talking about the uh (laughs) the the defensive systems of of ireland or something you know but um yeah it's, it's been been pretty pretty challenging what does it kind of mean? So today, if we just take today as a little sample size of it, have, did you go down to the park and do some of your training down there? Do you have any of the Waratahs trainers coming out and doing like a one-on-one training? Because I hear that's still allowed, like one-to-one personal training. Um, yeah, how... yeah, sorry, yeah, go on. No, that's basically yeah, it. What oh, was, no, what yeah, was today yeah. Well, like? um, yeah, look, uh, today uh, on the, um, the training side of the trainers, um, we obviously still have um, – you know, a few train, a few uh, people still able to get out uh, and train with people, but with us, kind of probably more uh, reserved and prioritised for the blokes still in rehab. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, who, who their training, you know, ha- has to stay you know, very strict, and obviously they've got uh, guidelines of what they need to achieve in certain time periods to make sure that they're getting back on, the, you know, their injuries healing the right way. Um, look, for me today, I was. Uh, fortunate enough to uh, take the dog for a walk in the morning. Uh, <laughs> I then caught up with uh, Jack Dempsey, uh, who lives close by to me. We did a uh, a running session um, just by ourselves, um, and then you know, kind of dusted, <laughs> uh, took the boots off, said said our goodbyes, and and I headed on home. Uh, head home, a bit of a break, have a feed. Um, end up going to uh, Tom Horton, another bloke at the Waratahs, um, Sydney Uni. Uh, went around to his place. He's lucky enough on the day that we uh, broke up that he, he managed to grab a, a, a big portion of the gym. And um, <laughs> I, I hear that's there. happened at a few clubs. Hey, um, yeah. people were just basically racking as much as they could from the gym in preparation for whatever workout they could get done at home. Pretty much, and that's and that's kind of it's. Uh, yeah, it's 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 worked out well because I think if, you know a lot of blokes have kind of uh, 
like rather than everyone kind of taking, you know, a couple dumbbells each, it was there was a few key blokes who kind of just went ham and took everything that they <laughs> thought they would need, and then that, they've kind of you know acted as satellite gyms for us, which has been good. Yeah, um, just in small groups to be able to go over there, um, get 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 a bit of work done, and then. Uh, like I said, go your separate ways. I mean, that's the, the strangest part. I mean, we need to, uh, we're still very much um, aligned to that. The whole idea around, the whole guidelines around what we can and can't do to, to stay healthy and to stay, um, you know, virus free. And that's that's pretty hard when you're training with blokes that you usually, you know, trying to put, put them on their heads and lots of bum <laughs> taps and all that. So, um, you know, it is weird to, not be able to give anyone a high five or, um, <laughs> yeah, like I said, a nice bum tap after a, a, a hard set. But, um, yeah, awesome. yeah, that's just the changes that everyone's having to make, I suppose. Well, mate, why don't we uh, shift the mood a little bit then away from this, I don't know, all the rubbish that's going around at the moment. Um, you've had a pretty short but pretty exciting career so far, and we wanted to ask what for you has been the highlight of your career from a kind of Waratahs and, and or Wallabies perspective? Um, oh, look, Wallabies, obviously, you know, it's, um, like I said, it's been short, short and, short and sweet so far. And, um, you know, obviously going to be, uh, my debut, which I was able to, uh, fortunate enough to, to jog on, uh, in Johannesburg. <laughs> so, There's a bit of a myth that's grown up around that. Is it true? Is the schnitty true? Oh, the schnitty's absolutely true. The, probably the, the funny thing in hindsight that I've thought about, that probably slipped through the cracks was when I actually got the call from Checker and I was uh, eating um, <laughs> two schnitzels. Um, <laughs> and uh, basically he, he's heard the commotion in the background because I'm at a pub um, on $8 schnitty night. So it's obviously pumping. And he goes, uh, he's like, mate, what's the go? Are you on the piss? And I'm like, oh, I'm just, no, I'm actually, I'm just at a pub getting a, I'm just, uh, yeah. And he's like, what are you having? I'm like, I'm not going to tell the, the current Wallabies coach that I'm eating two schnitzels. That doesn't come with salad, by the way. It's just schnitzels and chips. And, chips. and so I, I said it was a steak. And so then, um, and then I got there and everyone's like, ah. Oh. And I think he didn't believe me. <laughs> he just told everyone that I was on the piss. So then I had to back, backtrack. But I was like, no, I wasn't on the piss. And they're like, oh, you said you were going to stay. And I'm like, well, if they think I'm on, I was on the piss, I, I'm probably safe to say that I was eating schnitzels and give them the truth there. <laughs> uh, no, nah, I was eating, I was actually having schnitzels, but I was, I wasn't on the piss. But um, yeah, it is true, it is true. But that was a little, little minor detail that uh, not too many people know about. That's well, brilliant. That's a lot of fun. That's pretty fun. And it must have been the, so um, exciting. Sorry, Mitchie. What was the the group sort of welcoming like when you got there? Because you got there pretty quickly. Oh, unreal. Um, yeah, I got the call um, probably about you know, this time on a, on a, I think it was a Tuesday. And then I was on a flight 10 a.m. the next day. So it was kind of, yeah, obviously very, uh, very quick turnaround. But yeah, the, uh, the boys are unreal, to be honest. They obviously had all been worded up that I was coming. Um, yeah. And uh, probably, probably also got worded up to make me feel like I was, uh, Make me feel feel uh, a bit less rattled about jumping on a plane and coming to play the Springboks, having not trained with the team for you know two weeks. Yeah, uh, and yeah, they were unreal. Everyone was um, 
know, really accommodating to the bizarre situation it was. Everyone was willing to offer a bit of help, and um, yeah, it ended up being really a really fun trip. It's such a good story, though. Like that's if that's how you want to make your Wallabies debut, that's how you want to do it. Well, yeah, I guess so. Like, I mean, uh, I'm, I I remember uh, after the game, I was talking to uh, Adam Ashley Cooper, who um, had a, had a similar story, well, a very similar story where he, you know, the legend goes that he was eating a pie and a uh, yeah, he's eating a pie in the stands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so we were kind of reminiscing over that and. But I mean, to me, I, I thought it was pretty nonchalant detail, to be honest. Um, but it seemed to blow up, and everyone seemed to like it. But yeah, I didn't realise. It probably made me feel feel a bit bad that I thought eating schnitties was so so normal. But um, I suppose the context of getting such a special call, you know, always always makes it special. And I, I guess to be able to uh, link it to something uh, that I love, like schnitzels, is uh, yeah, it's always it's always been been a bit of fun and. Um. Yeah, I, my my mates. Uh, yeah, make sure make sure to let me know that it was a bit carry on because I, I think uh, they thought it blew up a bit more than, <laughs> than what it should have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and do you remember much of the game? Um. Yeah. Look, I I just, I remember it being uh, I remember it as a bit of a oxymoron. I remember it being a blur. I remember it kind of being um, getting out there and all I was kind of thinking was. Uh, around lineouts, to be honest, I yeah. um, the the lineouts system they were running was pretty complex, um, and it was more just the fact I hadn't hadn't had the reps um, that you usually want for that kind yeah. of muscle memory, you know, um, that kind of thing, that you know, cognitive um, reaction to it. And uh, I, ba- I look, I back myself because I'd, I'd done my homework, you know, in the time that I was there, but you know, I was only on the field. Uh, I didn't train. The Wednesday I got there um, for obvious reasons, just because I just got off the plane and yeah. their, their protocol didn't want me to do that. And then I trained. Oh, sorry, I got there. I think I got there on a Thursday. I'm not sure what the time difference go was, but I think I got there Wednesday night. And then Thursday, they the boys trained, uh, and I didn't train. Yeah, that's what it was. Oh, is that what it was? Jeez, what is it? I, it's I, amazing I, it how it is a yeah, pretty bad time I, I, difference. Yeah, I think the time difference ended up landing me there Wednesday or oh, Wednesday night. Then the Tuesday, the boys had a run. Sorry, Wednesday night, Thursday, boys had a run. I didn't. And then Friday, we had training, a captain's run, and then Saturday, we played. Or it might have been a Sunday game. I do remember we, I, I did have one full training session before. The captain's run. That's that's okay. a detail I can't remember. Or well, yeah, <laughs> but but uh, uh, yeah, I suppose with the lineouts, yeah, just obviously I didn't get nearly as many reps as you'd usually want, and um, you know, you didn't you didn't want to feel like a burden, kind of asking to you know run extra reps on you know simple stuff because I was at the front of the lineout at the time, so there's only you know a few um, a few few moves there. Um, anyway, but um, yeah, I just remember the game got on ridiculously early given the context because James <laughs> Slipper got knocked out which um which is pretty nice of him um <laughs> he's, he's a good bloke and he's I, I don't doubt that he did that on purpose for me um and, what, a, what, a, what a nice guy what yeah, a legend and um yeah I guess I 
got out there a lot earlier than what I was. I wasn't rattled. Look, I think that the funniest thing of it all was um, I'm not I'm not t- typically a nervous guy when it comes to games, but I remember at the time being on the bench and just kind of being like, you know, being like I'm I'm surprisingly pretty calm for a bloke to have to run on yeah. against the Springboks um, for his first time ever. Uh, I was sitting next to Jack Dempsey, who is a good mate of mine. Uh, we were both on the bench, and I don't know. I, I suppose just being with him and uh, as someone I played a fair bit of footy with now, he um, eased my mind a bit. You know, we were able to, you know, just kind of keep conversation. Uh, yeah. Pretty cool. And and by the time I got on, I, I I was you know I was so g'd up to get out there. I was yeah. I don't, I don't think any kind of nerves or anything came about. Um, and then yeah, when I was out there, I just just headless chook. I think I didn't I didn't really know <laughs> know much of the structure, and um, I was just trying to just hit rucks and, and try and make myself useful. Uh, and, yeah, that was, that was probably about it. The rest of it, yeah, like I said, it was a bit of a bit of a blur, but very special nonetheless. Yeah, brilliant. What a great story. Well, uh, we might shift now to the – away from the Wallabies and towards the Waratahs. So we've got a couple of questions about the Waratahs. And wanted to start with, what's the current kind of – I mean, we're going to stick away from all the news that's come out today about some of the cuts that have been happening with Rugby Australia and the different Super Rugby teams. We're going to kind of just not touch on that now because it's so immediate and raw. Mm. But in a general sense, with the new coaching setups that's in place under Rob Penny, we've got a lot of new players. How how are the team feeling about how things are at this point in the season, considering that the record isn't obviously what you would have wanted, um, but there are there is that new blood and there are these new faces that have come in? Yeah, like, I think it's um, <clears throat> it was always going to be a hard thing to do to be able to um, you know make sure you keep everyone um, you know keep the faith uh, within not the playing group. I think the play the playing group has the faith because you know we know the process, we know what what it is that we would like to um, achieve, uh, and you know understanding that we're in a pretty uh, I suppose. Uh, would be the word. Uh, look, just in a position where things are going to go wrong. Uh, we've got an inexperienced team. We've got new coaches. It's it's just a very um, you know, it's just it's the quintessential teething period. You know, it's yeah, everyone yeah, yeah. everyone trying to work out you know what combinations work, how people play, um, you know, and then you go you've got an you know a near a near entire coaching staff who uh, are new to Super Rugby and. Um, you know, might just not have that those finer uh, finer bits of understanding about um, how other teams operate. You know, it's it's, it's obviously there's, there's a lot of review that goes on, and and our coaches, the coaches that that were new that came in, they were um, you know, fantastic in in getting up to speed with uh, you know how we are as uh, a team, and then you know how other teams are in the way they operate, but. Uh, I mean, there are always going to be gaps that come from inexperience. Yeah. Uh, and that goes both ways, player and coach. Um, you know, we, we as, as players, we've got a young, young group who, you know, can work in your favour when you see, you know, a lot of the blokes who have, who have debuted this year who are young and, and, and youthful and exuberant and everything. They, they use that, uh, you know, almost that, that state of being a bit oblivious to how, how, uh, crazy it is that they're playing at that level that they are yeah. just playing you know they're just playing footy um mm. but you know but but with that you know this it's bits and pieces that 
um, you know, they need to get with experience and that's um, that's a matter of it. I think the, the feeling within the group's good because we, we know that that was always going to happen. But look, to, to only kind of, uh, you know, to have the season suspended at the moment with um, with just the one under one win under our belt, we're pretty mm-hmm. disappointed. Um, a lot of games that we, we played and we, we came out of it thinking, you know, we... We really threw it away there, and um, just just things like, I mean, defence is a massive thing for us. I think in those the, the, the last few games we played, um, uh, we were tinkering a lot with the defence, which is probably something that we, um, you know, we we isn't ideal. Uh, but you know, we we identified those things in it, there was holes in our defence. We tried uh, to fix them through you know minor minor fixes. I think that's again that's a bit of experience. You know, blokes. Might get you know might be a bit hard for both to get the head around early on, and um, you know we end up getting a few bad losses with some pretty ordinary score lines, and that in the yeah. end yeah makes it pretty um pretty hard around uh you know the feeling around the group. But yeah, like I said, we we always knew, knew it was gonna be uh be tough. If it was easy, everyone would do it, and uh, I'm excited for the future because we do have a, a very good good roster. Yeah, um, definitely. With a lot of uh, exciting players. Yeah, perfect. So if we look uh, towards also the Wallabies kind of seem to be in a similar situation at the moment. We've got a new uh, group of coaches coming in, new coaching setup. We don't know who's going to be selected at this stage. Is that sort of brought any new optimism to the Waratahs playing roster at the moment? Is there potentially some guys who think that their Wallabies dreams may be reignited and they may get the chance to get a new call-up? Oh, potentially. I think, um, <clears throat> you know, the, the beauty of... Um... You know, new coaching setup in any scenario is it's there's no room for 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 bias opinions. Um, yeah. You know, I think I think um, yeah, uh, we've got the Wallabies have got a a group of a group of coaches who I think are really hungry for success. I don't think they're gonna um, you know I don't think there's anything that could jeopardise that for them. I, I think they'll put put the best team on the field um, that they can and. Um, you know, mix and match and, and, and look for results. It's, uh, that's not to say that, you know, uh, <clears throat> that's not to say that Checker, um, you know, when he was around had, um, you know, any intentions of, of, uh, letting his bias get in the way of, of the team's mm. vision, um, obviously of, of winning and, and being successful. Um, but, you know, there's blokes that, that may, may have put themselves in a, in a, in a, uh, out of the, the inner circle a bit um, the last you know few years who who are playing good form footy and yeah. you know, reason to say that they're not knocking on the door if they weren't doing it before uh, pre World Cup they're definitely doing it now so yeah I know I know exactly what you mean around the, the new coach and the opportunity that uh that that brings for you know some blokes yeah who 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 you know, their Wallabies career may have seemed like it come and gone but yeah, it's exciting to see uh, see the roster we can put together. We, we, we've got some really good performing Super Rugby teams at the moment, and yeah, that'll hopefully translate into a good national setup. 
There's been some really exciting play coming from a lot of the Super Rugby teams. And one of the things that the Waratahs have is, surprisingly enough, you have one of the highest cap totals out of any of the Super Rugby teams. But it's mostly condensed down into Kirtley Beal, Rob Simmons and Michael Hooper. Um, <laughs> now, I just want to ask a question kind of about those three guys with the vast amounts of experience they give, they have. How, in what ways are they kind of helping out the newer generation of players that are coming through the Tars? Um, are they pulling some of the newer blokes aside? giving them words during, after the game. Kind of what's that leadership outpouring look like from those guys? Well, I think um, all three of them, they're very well-spoken blokes, but they're also uh, kind of the epitome of uh, action speak louder than words kind of mindset, mm-hmm. if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Uh, yep. I think, you know, they inspire uh, through the way they talk, uh, definitely. But I think for the team full of young blokes, it's that that confidence that they can give everyone around them that, that they're going to do their jobs, they're going to take care of um, you know, their job, and and you're going to get you know you're going to get a consistent, um, a really good consistent performance out of them week in week out, and it just allows other people to you know younger blokes to know that that's taken care of and and that they can then relax and, and go about their own you know, and in yeah. all three of those you got. Michael Hooper, who tops uh, pretty much every every stat, um, yep. <laughs> um, I'm thinking of putting him in the front row because we, the amount of penalties he gets around the field, I can I can guarantee he'd probably do a number if he um, if we put him put him in the in the tight three. But uh, it's you got him; he's taking care of all of the work rate stuff. He's he's hitting rucks, he's making those turnovers, he's adding extra players out in the back line. Um, you know, that's that's taken care of. And for the other back rowers, um, you know, they can then just do their own individual jobs. You know, Hoops has such a well-rounded game that uh, it allows blokes, you know, like Lockie Swindon, who's a very, very good defensive player and, um, you, know, wants, you know, wants to put on big hits and change the momentum through that. It allows him to not worry about hitting rucks and, and having to try and get on ball and get us the turnovers and, and you know, add numbers out wide. Um and staying tight and act almost like as a, a sixth kind of uh, tight uh, tight mm-hmm. five player. Yeah. Um, that's that's one example. Then you've got Rob Simmons who operates the line out so well yeah. that it's just blokes, you know, young blokes that come on, they, they don't have to worry about, um, you know, if, they, if they're a little bit slow on their lift or something. Obviously, we're, we're striving for perfection. We don't want to give people opportunities to, to, to slack off or not strive for perfection or be, be mediocre or whatever but you know you know that he's calling to the right places to give us that little bit of extra time that that you know it, it just kind of chills everyone out rather than being on edge being like oh i miss this lift yeah you know they're going to get up alongside us and they're going to they're going to pinch it um you know that that kind of that's gone because you know he's, he's operating the line out so, so smoothly and i suppose yeah. finally uh curly bill you got him out the, out the back you just know that the, the maestro that he is, he's, he's obviously helping out the back three, and we do have a lot of young back three players, you know, James mm, Ram, yeah. like blokes like that. They they need a little bit of, you know, I'm sure, for them, um, although you know, they've proven that they're ready for, for that level. Um, you know, I'm sure the communication going on out the back there is you know, just him, you know, making minor adjustments to, to make sure they're in a better position. And it's not necessarily about him you know, correcting them or anything like that, but it's just giving them the confidence that he's going to do his job 
and if anything goes wrong, you know, he's he's going to help be the solution. So yeah, look, yeah. it is it is um it's it's a bit of a blessing having a top heavy um kind of playing squad in terms of uh experience, but I think that's that's how it works well with it with a young group. It's a lot of experience that doesn't necessarily have to happen through words, but it's you know that they're they're doing their jobs and it makes everything a lot uh, a lot less stressful. Yeah, it must be a big reassurance for you guys just trundling around trying to get your jobs done knowing you got those guys right next to you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mitch, now you had a couple of questions about maybe some non-rugby related skills that Harry might have. Yeah, so we've done done a bit of research. We found out that you're actually in a rock band. So <laughs> the story is you've got quite a good singing voice. So <laughs> apart from yourself, obviously, yeah. who in the Waratahs changing room also has a good set of lungs on them? Um, good lungs, good lungs. Um, I'm just about it, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> nah, look, I reckon um, a few of the uh, Polynesian boys they they got some good. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Pipes on them. Um, you don't hear it as much as you, you like, but yeah, blokes like Pat Tarver, he's got a good singing voice. Um, okay. mate, Damon Fitzpatrick gives it a go. Good on he's him. Not, not great, but he's he's <laughs> he can hold 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 tone. Um, Alex Newsom, he's he's a good music lover. Uh, he, he can belt one out. Um, mate, that's about it. <laughs> if, if there is any out there, um, I haven't heard it yet. There's plenty so what, of plenty of bad singing going on. So we're not <laughs> hearing. Uh, so there's not much karaoke that's happening in a kind of uh, pre-game changing rooms or anything like that. People aren't just stepping up and busting out a song. No, not not quite. I mean, for me, I usually, I'll I'll try and you know kick off a bit of out loud singing, and Lockie Swinton usually tells me to. Uh, because <laughs> whatever I'm singing isn't a Vici or or um <laughs> or boom. So yeah, um, but yeah, I, I think there's a um there's there's a lot of uh I'm sure there's probably a lot of musical uh prowess within the group. I just haven't I just haven't uh, uncovered it yet because I'm probably <laughs> taking the mic. It's yeah, it's hard for them to get into the spotlight when I when I get out of it. <laughs> Well, mate, um, we had a kind of final question we wanted to ask, and this is coming from two guys. Mitch has played rugby. I'm just a rugby lover. And we were talking last week on a pod about just trying to figure out the difference between loose head and tight head and the kind of nuances of what each position actually is. And seeing as you're someone that's played on both sides of the front row, could you give us a bit of insight into the difference between the two positions? Yeah, of course. Um, so, look, obviously, as the name suggests, uh, Loose head, you're going to be um, predominantly, well, always going to have uh, just one person to deal with. Um, yep. You're going to be on the left hand side of your opposite tight head, uh, and your job, I suppose, is to um, get him out of his shape and therefore get him disconnected from his hooker and the rest of the scrum. And then, essentially, if you can take out a tight head, the rest of the scrum should. Uh, follow because they've obviously got two people up against them yep. uh, and then you know, the opposite loose head can't really do much because he's only pushing against one person um, so I think the analogy I've always kind of liked with loose head and tight head oh, I'll talk, tight head obviously you've got two blokes you've got the hooker and the loose head uh, how that differs is um, there's a lot of shoulder um, bat, I suppose battle to get 
uh, shoulder positioning because as you're engaging, you want to stay low. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the analogy I was getting to where, um, you know, as Lou said, you want to kind of drive somewhat up, uh, although that's illegal. Uh, <laughs> under the- um, you're, you're, you're trying to get your tight head out of shape and the tight yep. head on the other, if you were the tight head, you're trying to stay in shape. And the best way to stay in shape is to stay down, uh, down at a kind of like a 45 where you, you're really trying to force yourself into that space because, um, you know, for, for one, you're safe because you can either hold shape and you won't get pushed back or it allows you to put more pressure on the loose head where if they don't keep their weight in front of you, you're then able to, get more into that space and that throws him out of shape. And then you are then able to attack the space in between the loose head and the hooker. Um, but yeah, that that's kind of like the major, major uh, bits and pieces. I, I think, uh, I think the biggest one, yeah, with, with tight head is because you're up against two blokes um, and your outside shoulder has a bloke on, you know, loose head, you're, you're really kind of only got to worry about your inside shoulder predominantly. Whereas tight head, your outside shoulder, so your right shoulder as you engage, is under a lot of pressure because that's where the loose head's trying to get at and yeah. your left shoulder is where the hook is trying to get at. Um, yeah, it's just a matter of keeping keeping your shoulders down because as soon as one of them goes, uh, the rest of the body usually follows and um, you can get in some pretty ordinary positions at tight yeah. head. Um, <laughs> loose head, if you get, yeah, you get, yeah, if you get in a bad position, you can usually... Uh, you know, that usually doesn't look too bad, whereas I've, I've seen some pretty uh, ordinary tight-head uh, technique getting rewarded with making them look like they're... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's... They're very, very different, um, but, I mean, I mean, if you're able to kind of see uh, how each are trying to operate and what each are trying to achieve, uh, it makes it a little bit sim- more simple. Mm. What's your preference? Uh, look... It, it ebbs and flows at the moment. Um, I probably would say I'm enjoying tight head. I'm, I was uh, really starting to enjoy uh, getting reaping the benefits of the challenge because it has been it has been a challenge, uh, without a doubt. Um, but yeah, to be able to kind of see genuine um, improvement every week and to be able to get pay pay through that improvement yeah. um, was pretty was pretty cool and uh, very rewarding. Um, but Lou said, look, that's obviously where I've played my highest level of footy to date. And um, yep. I'm pretty proud of, you know, how uh, how my, my Lou said um, scrummaging and, and um, you know, my, my technique stuff uh, evolved over the, the couple of years that I was playing it. Um, yeah, I think, look, I, I see the need for, for more tight head. Um, tight head's a at the Waratahs and to be able to offer, uh, I suppose that ambidextrous kind of loose head, tight head, uh, yeah. quality to, to, you know, potentially a, a national setup. Uh, I can see that being valuable. Um, so yeah, just look, trying to be, trying to, uh, do what I can for the, the Waratahs who had a genuine need for a new tight head and, yep. um, or a, a, a tight head, uh, to add to the stocks. And then, um, yeah, national setup. Hopefully that you know when World Cups and stuff come around, when you do run into injuries and stuff like that, you, you do need to rely on someone you know like Sakobi Kepu or, or Tom Robertson um, as well. You know these those blokes who are um, you know well skilled in both sides and were able to add value um, you know for the Wallabies when they were 
uh, you know, when when they needed. Yeah. And prior to this year, like in your juniors, had you played any tight head? Yeah, I played most tight head during uh, my Colts footy. Okay. Um, and look, I, I naively kind of didn't really see any difference <laughs> between the two, like in terms of, um, yeah, like I, I pretty much just, when I was in the junior, like coming up to juniors, I would kind of just play whichever side, like I thought the, the best, scrummager on the other team was playing like like if there was some guy who was a good loose head I would just be like oh, I'll play tight head and vice versa for the other way around um but yeah I was, I was kind of you know there was I was getting picked for teams at loose head and then you know playing a, a, a tournament and then getting picked for another team and then playing tight head you know the next week or whatever I didn't yeah. really see a massive difference in it until sure. it starts coming to guys who um, obviously know what they're doing um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, look, I made a lot of changes. I, I, I played the two years I played New South Wales twenties. I'm pretty sure I played, uh, what would I, I, I played loose, uh, tight head the first year and then loose head the second year. Um, you know, and by no preference, it was just whatever was needed by, by the, the team and the coaches. And yeah. the same thing happened yeah. was in the Australian twenties team. Um, my role literally was in the end because we had a, a few issues. With um, with with uh, front row stocks close to the, the competition kicking off uh, in Georgia, I um, I was literally on the bench coming on at uh, loose head, and then the tight the replacement tight head. Oh no, I was coming on at tight head, and then the replacement tight head would come on, and I would go to loose head. Um, <laughs> okay, so in the same game, you're swapping back and forth. Yeah, yeah. So that's an example of like. Me being naive and actually not really seeing a massive difference, but yeah. since even NRC, when I've I've done a couple of seasons at tight end at NRC now, and yeah, even then you you really notice the step up, and it's uh, it makes yeah makes the makes the switch a lot harder. Uh, yeah, because you are dealing with blokes who know what they're doing and blokes that are gonna uh, you know find ways to you know it's all about adapting. I mean, blokes. Folks just know how to adapt and 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 make small fixes um, through feel. And uh, if you if you don't know how to counteract their fix, then their fix becomes your problem, and then your problem becomes a, a big problem. Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for that. That was a that's a pretty good insight into the front row and the different positions there. Well, good pleasure. Well, well I think we might um <laughs> we might leave it there I'll, for tonight. Um, <laughs> Mitch, what were you saying? Oh, yes. I was just gonna, we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up there. So thank you very much for joining us, Harry. It's been awesome to have this time to chat with you. Um, and yeah, we'll um, hopefully we can get you on again some point in the future when we get some rugby back on. Yeah, and best Absolutely. of luck for the rest of the season. No, thanks, guys. I really appreciate the time and um, loving what you guys are doing. And it's uh, yeah, it's good to be able to keep talking about it as if I'm still important to someone. <laughs> but um, no, I really appreciate uh, you guys having me and um, yeah, looking forward to chatting in the future. Awesome. Wonderful. Thanks. Well, thanks for that. Have a good evening. See ya. And now we move to a new segment that we're introducing this week called Take the Three, where we name our three favorite 
somethings in a category. So this week we're talking about front rowers after our chat with Harry Johnson Holmes. So we're going to discuss our three favorite props or front rowers of all time. Brilliant. I'm keen. The amount of times I just yell take the three at the screen, I'm glad we have some outlet for it. This is a bit more constructive, you know. <laughs> Particularly when you're watching England rugby, because that's all they do. <laughs> None, they of just kick. <laughs> None of that. Um, well, what, how do we want to do this? Do you want to go through your three, one each? Uh, how do we want to do it? Yeah, let's. I'll, I'll go first, mm-hmm. and then you go. So, okay. starting at number three for me, Tendai the Beast, Matawira from South Africa. You stole my list. <laughs> <laughs> we probably should have checked this before we started. No, no, it's good. It good. sees if it shows us if we're thinking along the same lines. Why did you choose him? He's just an absolute legend. Yeah, he's done definitely. everything. He's yep. so strong. Uh, the the thought that comes to mind is um, back a few <laughs> years ago when when the players jumped for the kickoff and he's just yep. grabbed him and he's yep. flipped completely backwards. And he's just yep. pulled him straight back down. Yeah. So that guy, happened multiple times. And it kept make, kept making me think, dude, stop being, like, stop undercutting them then. Surely you need to, when you lift, step back if you feel them going. Any, anyway, I'm, I, don't, I don't know how to lift people in that way. But but. He does. He obviously doesn't need to. He's too no. strong. He he's just, just like, no, holds on and pulls them off. down. I just want to show <laughs> off, yeah. Anyway, okay. So I'll say one on my list now because you obviously shared that with me. Um, Tatafu Pilota now. At number two? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, um, Tatafu was never the best hooker from a line-out throwing sense. That no. was not his strength. But he was just a wrecking ball around the field. And I just loved that he also had an IT degree as well. So he was really intelligent, really brave, and put his body on the line, often to the point where he just knock himself senseless, senseless by doing these kind of uh, like cutting tackles to take the people's legs cutters. out. Yeah, the grass cutters, which uh, Hooper and Pocock benefited from massively. Uh, <laughs> so I just really respected him because he was both an awesome bloke off the field and a really committed player on the field. Cool. Well, my number two is uh, Taniela Tupo from Queensland. Awesome. Now he's just, he does things that props should not be able to do. He gets himself in positions and he score tries and he's he's running like a an outside back half the time now nowadays in 2020 um, for about 20 meters yeah and then he slows down <laughs> oh he's got he's got a good 30 meters on him oh, okay, and then yeah, he starts yeah. to slow down yeah <laughs> no he's he's a he's a good scrummager he's good on the ball he's good off the ball he's just an all round solid prop so. Yeah, he's actually my third choice. So I had Taniela Tupo as well. But I was actually thinking less about the ball playing side of things or the rugby playing side of things and more just about his Instagram profile. Um, <laughs> I really, really enjoy following him just to see the shenanigans that he gets up to um, and how every holiday break he goes back home and has an insane amount of roast pigs on a spit. Yes. Uh, so it's just how awesome good. to just see that. Um, who is your number three or your third? Well, that, my number one. So I'm going three, two, one. Oh, sorry. Carry on then. Carry on. But we've actually um, got this. We've got the same list. Oh, two. Tatafu Pilota now is my number one. <laughs> I hadn't ranked mine, but I just love how without any consultation, we've come up with the exact same list. Now, honorary mention, now that you've taken the thunder and you've named my number one. I'm so Kopi Kepu definitely is yeah, up there. Yeah, definitely. I was thinking that too. And um, Harry Johnson Holmes is also one of my favorites. I do. I'm not just saying it because of the podcast this week, but 
Yeah, you, just such... you met him at the um, trial game, didn't you? I've met him a few times now over the mm-hmm. years at different games, and he's just he's always uh, awesome to chat to. He's so willing to give his time and to just to, he's just so open. So the same with um, Tatafu and Sukopi Kepu. Like over the years after the games, you could always have a chat with them on the sidelines, and um, it was just great considering that they're well, apart from Harry at the moment um, playing playing at Wallabies level around the world and yep. earning like massive money doing it. And they're just so down to earth. It's, it's just awesome. Yeah. It's one of the awesome things about Australian rugby. Well, just rugby union in general is that whilst there are some players that are really well paid and highly paid for the excellent um, skills they have and what they offer, it doesn't have that level of uh, where players are being, kind of taken away from the public eye because of the fame and notoriety they have like it would be in English football. Um, so you still have the opportunity to just have a nice chat to the players after a game, and that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, so that's um, that's our three favourite props. So next week we're going to be looking at the Rugby World Cup 2019. So we're asking you, our fans, to let us know what your favourite three moments of the World Cup were. Were they um, tries? Were they matches? Were they moments? Anything. Anything of your three favorite, if we get enough people coming in and, and letting us know what their favorites are, we'll put up a list of the fan favorites. So Great. we'll do our favorites of the of the tournament. Yep. And then we hopefully will hear from you and have your favorites as well. Wonderful. Sounds awesome, Mitch. Thank you for joining us for episode six of the Pick and Drive Rugby podcast. We had lots to chat about this week. It was a great episode. Thank you for joining us, Harry. Thank you for joining me, Ando. Pleasure. Uh, Next week, we're going to be looking at the Rugby World Cup 2019 in Japan. We've got lots to talk about. We'd love to hear your favorite moments, your top three. So hit us up on social media. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, we look forward to getting into all the nitty-gritty of the, the most recent World Cup tournament. Anything else from you, Ando? No, I think we're good. That's it. Thank you so much, Mitch. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll catch you all next week.